0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Don't Burst My Bubble with me, your host, Josh Ascroft. In today's episode of the show, we're going to be breaking down Lakers Clippers and Jazz Pelicans from last night's NBA restart, going to be giving you an injury report for today's games, as well as letting you know exactly what you should be looking out for in the games that we will be seeing this afternoon, and this evening. So without further ado, let's jump right into it. This is Don't Burst My Bubble. So to kick things off, quick injury report for you. As of 11 a.m. Eastern time for July 31st, that is today, for the Nets versus Magic, which I'm sure you are very excited to be watching, Jamal Crawford is out. That is due to conditioning. We didn't get to see any of Jamal Crawford in any of the Nets scrimmages, uh, and clearly we have a reason why now. The team has deemed that he is not in game shape as of now, so no Jamal Crawford minute, which is a real disappointment for fans of him. Grizzlies blazers Uh, Tyus Jones and Justice Winslow are out for the Grizzlies but uh, very happy to report that Damian Lillard is not on this injury list there were some concerns about Lillard as it was reported that he had some uh, pain on the lower part of his foot with some people thinking that that could be plantar fasciitis Uh, so good news that he is not on the injury report and we will be get to see uh, we'll be getting to see Dame time so very excited for that. Suns versus Wizard. Only real thing of note is that Kelly Oubre Jr. will not be playing due to that right knee uh, rehab that he is currently undergoing. Uh, and We're not expecting to see him anytime soon. Bucks versus Celtics. Uh, Pat Connerton and Eric Bledsoe are out due to conditioning. Uh, we know that they arrived late to the bubble due to the fact that both of them had tested positive for the coronavirus. Uh, and yesterday, Coach Mike Budenholzer uh, told media that uh, neither of these players will be playing until they've completed some five on five practices, which is yet to be done. So, no content or Bledsoe for the Bucks. Notably, however, for the Celtics, Kemba Walker is not on the injury list, but it has been reported uh, that he will be on a 14 to 20 minute minute restriction. Uh, but, exciting that we'll be getting to see some Kemba Walker. Very concerning that his knees are still playing up even four months after he had that sort of an initial twinge. Uh, some people speculating on the fact that maybe he has arthritis, maybe he has some kind of condition that isn't just going to go away, because you'd think that after four months of resting it, he'd be ready to go, but apparently that twinge is still there, so we'll see how Campbell Walker is looking today. Uh, For the Kings versus Spurs, nothing too notable other than the fact that we've got to remember that Marvin Bagley will not be playing. Uh, Also, just of note, Adrian Wojnarowski announced at 1.06pm today that a Kings player reported an inconclusive COVID test result on Wednesday, but had successive negative test results on Thursday and Friday and is expected to be allowed to play in today's matchup. It has not been reported who that Kings player is. Uh, But good news, you know, that wasn't a positive test they had, just an inconclusive one. But good to see that the NBA is staying strong with their policies and that that this player uh, supposedly did not have COVID as they reported two negative test results uh, in consecutive days. So that's good news. Uh, Mavs versus Rockets. Courtney Lee is out with a left calf injury and Dwight Powell is still rehabbing after uh, his Achilles tear, which happened earlier this season. Uh, Mavs definitely going to be missing his presence at center. He had a great season for them, uh, and then finally Eric Gordon is out with an ankle sprain for the Rockets. We saw that happen in the last scrimmage um, for them. Definitely a disappointment for the Rockets, as you know they would I'm sure love to move up the standings a little. Um, Eric Gordon not didn't have a good season by any means, but he's a very respectable three point shooter. Um, he has the potential to go off for 30 in a night. Uh, And you've got to respect him when he pulls up to shoot, which is, you know, critical for the small ball lineup that the Rockets are running. So that does it for the injury report for today. That is everything that you need to know about injuries heading into today's matchups. So let's talk about some games from last night. Let's kick things off by talking about the Lakers versus the Clippers. The Lakers won in a very, very exciting uh, matchup that really went down to the wire with the Lakers winning 103 to 101, Uh, Let's break down the box score to kick things off. So for the Lakers, Anthony Davis had 34 points. He went 8 for 19 from the field, 16 for 17 free throw shooting. Very impressive by him. 8 rebounds and 4 assists. Uh, I'd say was the player of the game. The Clippers really had nothing that they could do about him. LeBron, pretty slow on the offensive uh, offensive end of the floor, just 16 points on 6 of 19 shooting. He had 11 rebounds, 7 assists, and 5 turnovers. There were... Oh, my God, so many turnovers in this game, but that is to be expected. These players are still getting their legs back under them. Kyle Kuzma had a pretty good game. He had 16 points, went four of eight from the field, those four shots being uh, three-point field goals. Uh, Yeah, he went four for seven from three, attempting just one, two, which he missed. He had seven rebounds. Uh, Dion Waiters also had a really solid game for the Lakers. He had 11 points coming off the bench, 5 for 10 from the field, uh, and was plus 17. So pretty great stuff from Dion Waiters. Uh, As for the Clippers side of the ball, Kawhi and Paul George both looking really strong out of the gate. Kawhi put up 28 points on 7 of 16 uh, from the field. He went 3 for 4 from 3. He had four assists, three rebounds, two steals, and two blocks. Really a a great effort from Kawhi on both ends of the floor. Uh, Same goes for Paul George. 30 points, 11 for 17 from the field. Uh, Made six threes out of the 11 that he attempted. Five rebounds, three assists, three steals. He did have five turnovers, though, but he he was handling the ball a lot last night. Other than that, the Clippers really struggled to get anything from anyone. Pat Bev put up 12 points, three of seven from the field, and other than that, some of some of the Clippers did not have a good night. Landry Shamet went one of eight from the field. Reggie Jackson, not looking good out there, went three of ten from the field, and Marcus Morris, who has been really not not the the presence that the Clippers thought he was going to be, 0 of four from the field. So. Let's talk about what happened. Uh, Paul George and Kawhi look great. They look so well-rested, but it was really obvious that the Clippers were really missing that bench presence that they usually have that's usually so strong. Um, No Lou Williams and no Montrez Harrell was the biggest issue for them. Uh, The Clippers usually really dominate bench scoring. It's usually something that other teams can't deal with whereas last night uh when Kawhi and Paul George were not on the floor, their offense looked pretty much completely lost. Uh no Lou Williams to lead that offense, so it kinda came down to Pat Beverly and Reggie Jackson, who neither of them had particularly strong games coming out of the gate. Um Montrez Harrell also just essential if the Lakers um aren't just gonna dominate with Anthony Davis. Uh, The Clippers really had no matchup for AD last night. He could do pretty much whatever he wanted on the floor, and that was really um, obvious when you take a look at what was happening in the paint. The Lakers totally dominated the paint, going 40 um, 40 to the Clippers, 24. Uh, They also dominated the offensive boards, going 11 to the Clippers, 4 there. So I think that the Clippers, you know this isn't the biggest concern for them. They managed to stay in a really competitive game, re- had really strong defense, um, and, and managed to hold on despite the fact that they had... They were lacking their third and fourth highest scorers. Um, so not the end of the world for them by any means, but certainly something they'll be looking forward to getting back for the uh, the remainder of this bubble. As for the Lakers, uh, really, really... Uh, Poor shooting performance from the Lakers for the majority of the game. They kind of caught fire from the three-point line in the third quarter. Other than that, though, they really struggled um, anywhere that wasn't the paint. Uh, LeBron won the game getting his own offensive rebound. I really, he just had the right momentum going into the paint when he made that shot. There were like four clippers all standing under the basket, but just none of them in the right spot. LeBron came flying in grabbed the board and uh, just really cl- uh, calmly just pushed it over the top into the basket. Um, LeBron looked interesting out there for a couple of different reasons. So he, he didn't look fantastic by any means on the offensive and of the floor, putting up just 16 points. He didn't get his first field goal um, until the second quarter, which was just a, a crazy dunk that the bench went crazy for uh the the virtual fans went crazy for as well um so not the best game from lebron it actually reminded me a lot of the first game of the season that we saw the first game that we saw lebron and ad also against the clippers well lebron also had a really lackluster performance on the offensive end um kind of just getting his feet wet getting the ball to AD as much as possible uh, it was reported that he had been having uh, some some strain in that right groin that he injured last year. So perhaps just not wanting to go too hard on the offensive end of the floor to kick things off. Um, other than that, though, his defensive presence was uncanny. I think that uh, LeBron is gearing up and ready to go to another level, uh, in particular on the defensive end of the floor for... The playoffs, uh, the way that he was willing to guard Kawhi, willing to guard Paul George, it just made me so happy to see NBA basketball back. I having uh, the last play of the game where Kawhi has the ball, LeBron is guarding him, putting as much pressure on. Kawhi passes over to Paul George, LeBron switches onto Paul George. It is obvious that there is beef between these teams. Mm-hmm. Kawhi Leonard wanted to go at LeBron. He did a couple of times. He babied LeBron in a couple of possessions. But there were times where LeBron did the exact same thing back. And with these two guys guarding each other, it was a very clear, okay, let's forget Giannis for a second. We're the best two guys in the league. We're ruling the West right now. Let's go at each other. Let's make a statement here. And I was just over the moon to be to be watching that uh Paul George also great on defense Anthony Davis great on defense it was a great defensive game all around and that's to be expected as these guys get their legs back a lot of shots coming in short you know that shows you the guys are their legs are tired tightening up a little bit from all these practices they've been doing not being used to taking the floor like this in four months now so uh Nothing to be worried about if you're a Lakers or Clippers fan. Both your teams look really nice. Uh, Only other thing I really have to say about it is Caruso was fantastic on defense. And I've been saying this for a couple of episodes now on this podcast. Alex Caruso is the real deal. He had a play last night where uh, he had a couple of ridiculous steals. He uh, went around... The, uh, the back of the basket at one point as the ball was flying out of bounds, jumped out, saved it, and got it back into play in the last two minutes of the game. Uh, phenomenal, phenomenal work from him. Uh, what I would say is that heading into the playoffs, I think that here are the two big issues for both of the teams. So for the Lakers, can your bench keep up when Montrez Harrell and Lou Williams come back into the game for the Clippers? Because right now I don't think they can. The only other thing is, Clippers, how are you stopping AD from getting 35 points a night? Because he looked like he could do just about anything that he wanted to on the floor. Montrezl Harrell will help that to an extent. Zubak has got to be doing some minutes on AD. Uh, and I just don't think that they have a good matchup for him. So I think that's the Clippers' biggest issue. Uh, Lakers' biggest issue is, can you keep up with the the offensive presence that is gonna be the Clippers bench, even when, you know, Paul George and Kawhi can both take a sit down, they can take a break. Can you say the same thing? Can LeBron and ADs sit on the bench and you're confident that your guys can keep up uh with Lou Will and Trez? So we will we will see, but what a fantastic experience for a, a major game uh back that that late night spot. So enjoyable. So much fun! I hope that you had a chance to watch it, and hopefully we're going to be getting plenty more basketball just like that. Let's move on and talk about the Jazz versus the Pelicans. The Jazz went. Uh, the Jazz won the game, 106 to 104. Let's break down that box score. The Jazz, uh, Donovan Mitchell, had 20 points, went six of 14 from the field, two of four from three, six of seven from the three uh, free throw line, had five rebounds, five assists, three steals. Mike Conley had a really great performance, uh, 20 points, 7 of 16 from the field, 4 assists. Jordan Clarkson, really hot offensive game. <laughs> Other than that, we can talk a little bit later about what was going on with him when he had to guard yeah, uh, Zion on a couple of, uh, of of possessions. That was fun to watch, but yeah, 23 points off the bench, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals. Rudy Gobert, really the hero of this game, 14 points, 5 of 9 from the field, 12 rebounds, 3 blocks. Uh, We had Joe Ingalls with 13 points and Royce O'Neal with 12 points as well. On the Pelican side of things, Brandon Ingram, great start to the game, tailed off toward the end, but really, really nice to start the game. 23 points, 7 of 20 from the field, 2 of 8 from 3, 7 of 8 from the free throw line, 8 rebounds and just one turnover, very tight handle, Uh, looked very much in his bag for the majority of the game other than sort of coming into that fourth quarter, Kind of lost his shot, didn't know what he was quite doing there. Uh, Zion had 13 points in 15 minutes, went 6 of 8 from the field. Curiously had 0 rebounds, didn't have much of a present on defense either, which I will be talking about in just a second. Uh, JJ Redick had 21 points, 7 of 15 from the field, 3 of 8 from 3. The real spark plug that the Pelicans needed to stay in this game, especially when the Jazz took such a big lead early on. Drew Holiday looked pretty great out there. 20 points, 9 of 18 from the field. 5 rebounds, 4 or 6. Uh, 4 assists. Did have 6 turnovers, however, but as I mentioned earlier, turnovers are very much to be expected right now. You can't really knock teams for that at all. Uh, and also Lonzo Ball, not a great game for him at all, especially on the offensive end. 4 points, 2 of 13 from the field. Yikes on that one. 0 of 4 from 3. He did have seven assists, six rebounds, and two steals, however. So what is there to say about this game? Well, to be honest with you, I thought that the Jazz looked stagnant at times, for sure. I, they got off to a really good start, but then it was pretty obvious that without Bogdanovich, they definitely do have some three-point shooting missing. However, we saw a couple of improvements that I wasn't necessarily expecting, like Mike Conley looks more like Mike Conley. Um, he had really a very bad season with the Jazz, but it seems like maybe removing Bogdanovich from that starting lineup gives Mike Conley a little bit more like freedom in the offense, and maybe you know we're going to see him performing at the same level that we saw him when he was at Memphis. Um, Donovan Mitchell at times looked a little lost, but you've got to remember he's only a second-year player, but he, he did show off that ability to create a shot for himself, and down the stretch in particular, uh, he looked great. That last like five minutes of the fourth quarter, Donovan Mitchell was really strong. And then what ended up being so funny was that Rudy Gobert kind of ended up being the guy in this game. Very full circle, but he had the first two points of this game. He also had the game-winning free throws. So, you know, a, a real redemption story for Rudy Gobert, given how much people certainly disliked him. And I, I definitely feel bad for Rudy because... Uh, he's probably going to be remembered for the entire rest of his career, not necessarily as the defensive threat that he is, that two-time defensive player of the year. When his career is looked back on the most significant thing that he does, unless he you know somehow goes on to win a championship, um, the most significant thing that he's ever done will be the fact that he was the first player to test positive for the coronavirus and took it as casually as he did. Um, so definitely feel bad for Rudy Gobert. I think he's definitely paid his dues, but... You know, there you go. You win some, you lose some, Rudy. Uh, (laughs) I'm glad that you're back on the court. I'm glad you're doing well. You missed a couple of easy lobs that you definitely should have picked up in that game. But other than that, you looked really good. Uh, You know, the defensive guard that he is uh, came out to play for sure. Uh, On the Pelican side of the ball, Brandon Ingram uh, looked like Kevin Durant in the first half. It was like, oh my God, Brandon Ingram can't miss. He's the reason the Pelicans are still in this game uh as the game went on kind of trailed off i think that he's probably maybe needs a little more conditioning uh you know he's still getting back into things i don't know if in a couple of weeks time we'll see him probably push through those third and fourth quarters with the same intensity that he had in the first and the second um as for zion um really really interesting i think that maybe the pelicans told him you know, this first game back, please don't go running after crazy rebounds. Uh, we don't need you doing anything too wild. Get your legs back under you. You've, you've been out. You've sort of lost the conditioning that we saw you had through the scrimmages. But that boy is unstoppable. I mean, his first play of the game, he got handed off the ball, the, the left elbow, came flying in and just bullied the jazz. And I didn't even know how he got the shot off, to be honest with you. Um, had the Anwan one finish that too. He is genuinely when he gets moving like a freight train. I, for anyone who ever takes a charge off Zion, I think that they should get some kind of bonus in their contract because I think that you've probably got like a 50, 50 chance of survival. Um, so on the offensive end, he looked pretty flawless, to be honest with you. Six of eight from the field. Uh, for a while, he was 100%. He, I know he definitely went his first four shots were all good. Uh, funnily enough, though, the the defensive presence that we knew him as at Duke really hasn't translated to the NBA at all so far. We didn't see really any of that or not much of it anyway when the Pelicans were playing uh, in the regular season before we took the hiatus. Um, and Zion just looked pretty lost on defense is the only way that I can describe it. There were a couple of plays where he just wasn't in the right spot when the play was rotating, uh, when other people were switching around, he was stagnant. He kind of lost his man who would slip behind him and he wouldn't really have any knowledge of that. Mm, he sort of had a tendency of watching the ball. I I think that he wanted to be that help defender a little bit too much at times and sort of tended to sag off of people and the Pelicans gave up some really easy three-point shots because of that. But again, I think that the Pelicans probably told Zion, like, hey, for the love of God, please don't do anything crazy. The last thing we want is for you to blow out a knee in this first game back. But, you know, 13 points in 15 minutes, he's obviously the difference maker on this team. And hopefully we're going to get to see more of him play, and hopefully that minute restriction should get lifted relatively soon. J.J. Redick was, was phenomenal. He he really was. I think that without him in this game, I think that the Pelicans would have been blown out by 15 points. I think that J.J. Redick is he's just, you know kind of not scared of anything he'll take any shot that's given to him he's not afraid for to pull up in those big moments i think that jj reddick probably should have had the last shot of the game rather than ingram i know that this this team really has been ingram's while zion has been away but i think that jj reddick should have should have taken that shot i think that his his form was just looking as it always does just unstoppable last night he has such a smooth uh motion when he shoots the ball and you think it's going to go in every time uh, Lonzo just you know just didn't have it on the offensive end we saw it through the scrimmages too he's been missing easy layups I think that his court vision is obviously still undeniable I think that you know he, it's gonna come we we saw him have actually a really productive offensive season and that you know everything about Lonzo's game gets unlocked when Zion is on the floor so without him out there for extended periods of time Lonzo does look uh, like his role is limited, definitely. But seven assists and six rebounds, two steals is nothing to complain about. But two of thirteen from the field—that's just got to come up. Other than that, just the the funny takeaway that I took from this game was just whenever a defender is on Zion, it looks like they are having the worst time of their life. There were a couple of plays where Jordan Clarkson got switched onto Zion. And the, the look on his face was just like, oh my God, are you kidding me again? I'm on this guy. I can't believe you're doing this to me. Um, I, and it, it's really strange to see because it, it's not often that you see a rookie um, command that kind of reaction from someone. A real fear, if anything, I think, is what happens when Zion has the ball. I actually think that one of the best defenders the Jazz had on Zion Um, Was Joe Ingles, I think that Joe Ingles has that kind of I'm, well I'm an older guy mentality And he just didn't want to take anything from Zion So uh, he was definitely shoving Zion around You saw him having words with Zion was definitely getting upset about some of the fouls that were being called that's actually something that i failed to mention when we were talking about the clippers lakers i think that it was relevant for both of these games i think the officiating got better as the games went on but some of the calls that were made early were just real weak fouls that i think that they really just delayed the flow of the game more than anything i'm not sure that they really achieved all that much doing that um I think that that's just something that we're going to see when this all kicks off. I think the uh, the officials are probably going to be a little quick to jump onto things. Uh, They don't want anyone getting injured right now in particular. But as the quarters progressed, it was definitely a, a better flowing game. The officiating kind of calmed down a little bit and they sort of let everyone play basketball. So that was nice to see. So two just fantastic games. I think the NBA has done an incredible job at creating this experience because I don't know about you guys, but when I was watching these games, I was not focusing on the fact that they were in Orlando without a crowd for more than probably a couple of minutes each game. The way that the camera angles are set up, uh, the way that the courts look, the way even what they're doing with the virtual screens, I think that the the fake crowd noise was actually really well done. Um and it felt like a real NBA game when I was watching it. The intensity was there. That's something that I was definitely worried about. And I think that you could have real playoff basketball in this scenario. And it it didn't look like the stakes were any lower when the Clippers and Lakers were going at each other in particular. They wanted that win. There, w- there was no slacking there. I thought the intensity was absolutely there. Uh, and, you know, it could just be me saying this because I haven't seen NBA basketball in four months, but that was one of the best games I've I've. Couldn't remember happening through the season just because, you know, it's so fun to watch LeBron and Kawhi go at each other, and then you have AD and Paul George too. Uh, so a great first night of basketball, and I'm so excited for these these games that we have coming up today. So really my my game to watch for today, well, two games I think are going to be the best. Uh, Grizzlies-Blazers is a super important game. So now that the Pelicans have lost a game, A little further back, the Blazers, this is their opportunity now where they want to be going, okay, we're taking that nine seed. But then it's also the point where the Grizzlies want to think, well, hey, we'd love to move another game further away uh, from everybody who's trying to chase after that nine seed. Uh, We're going to have Ja Morant going against Damian Lillard, which is going to be such a fun matchup. I think that the Blazers should be favored to win this game. I know that Ja has been playing unbelievably. uh, But with Dame, we'll have to see how the injury is going that foot injury that he has going on, uh, if CJ can be playing at a high level and how Nurkic is going to affect the game as well. With that uh, Damon Nurkic pick and roll, I think the Blazers could definitely take this one. Buck Celtics, I think it's going to be difficult to tell exactly what's uh, going on with Bledsoe out and Kemba on their injury. It's going to be fun to see Zion. It's going to be interesting to see where Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are after this hiatus where Gordon Hayward is at, how Marcus Smart's doing, how Chris Middleton's doing. That should just be a good fun game. Uh, I I don't think that it'll necessarily be the best game we've seen because of the guys who we have missing, uh, particularly in that point guard position. Um, But very excited to watch. And then finally, Mavs Rockets, I think, is really the game to watch for today. Going to get to watch Harden go against Luca, see how both of those guys are doing after this four-month-long Well, not vacation for them, but ability or time that they've had to rehab for their bodies and get ready for this time. Uh, We'll see how the Mavs are going to be doing with Porzingis playing more minutes at center. See how that lines up against uh, the Rockets small ball lineup that they'll be going for. It'll be interesting to see how that goes without Eric Gordon. But that's going to be a really fun game. I think in particular that matchup of Harden versus Luka is just going to be an offensive show like that we didn't get to see yesterday I I think that both Harden and Luka look like they are just ready to fly out of the gate and we didn't really see that from anyone in particular yesterday other than Anthony Davis I suppose but obviously Harden and Luka have a very different uh, style of play to him so really looking forward to watching that one and I will be back tomorrow to break down the best of those games that happened today or that are happening today as well as your injury report for tomorrow and what you should be expecting to see in those games that are happening. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Josh Ascroft. This has been Don't Burst My Bubble. Who's ready for day two of NBA basketball? Let's go.